are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Marissa and, and Amy, for leading us in worship so well. And yes, as Marissa has mentioned, this is the second of our Mission Sundays. And wasn't it fantastic to hear from Paul and Joe on our first one and about how they're getting preparing to plant a church in the Middle East as a commission and catalyst joint venture of uh, reaching the nations together. And uh, yeah, as, we, as we've heard this morning, we're going to have Guy and Heather uh, with us. Uh, Guy, and he- Guy leads Commission, our apostolic movement, along with Vinu Paul. And uh, it's it fantastic to hear from Vinu back in the summer and great for us to be able to hear from, from Guy and Heather this morning. Uh, just before we do, um, it's, it's just a fantastic opportunity, isn't it, to be able to engage with Guy and Heather. And one way we're going to do that today is by Q&A. And as you would have seen over the last few weeks, if you've been with us that long, um, using Slido is just a great way for us to ask anonymous questions. And so you can ask the Millers this morning. If you go to slido.com and just put in Hope Church, then you can ask a question. If you see questions there that you like, you can give them a thumbs up and they'll go towards the top. So we know which questions are the ones that you really uh, want answering. And at the end of today's meeting, we'll give five or 10 minutes or so uh, to to hear uh, some of those answers from Guy and Heather. Um, But for now, it's great for me to be able to introduce them. Guy and Heather are just a fantastic couple. And if you've ever heard from them before, then I know you would have been mightily blessed, as you will be this morning. And so let's let's introduce them now. Hi, hi Guy and Heather. How are you both? It's so good to have you with us. It's just been good for me to hear from you. Um, How has this season been for you both? It's been an extraordinary season, hasn't it, for everybody? But I think one of the biggest surprises for me is that lockdown is no surprise to God. That uh, in the pages of the Old Testament and the New Testament, there are people who've been locked away in prison, in arcs, all sorts of different situations. But God is still God and God is good and God is working out his purposes. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I'm just panicking about asking Guy and Heather any questions. I was thinking, <laughs> I remember Andrew Wilson coming into an apostolic gathering saying, how many wills are there in the Godhead? And we were all going, uh, and that was a real, that took about an hour to answer. So I'm just hoping I don't get any difficult questions this morning. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm sure we'll be much kinder to you. (laughs) Um, So as you prepare to look out onto 2021 and all that it might hold, what's the kind of things that you're most looking forward to, you know, as a couple and, uh, and for our family of churches? Well, again, I think I'm learning that it's if God wills, isn't it? Um, none of us really knows what's going to happen and when. But I think one of our main things is God willing that we'll be able to go back to London and have a more meaningful uh, living in London and connecting with other London churches, London leaders, London situations, charities, whatever. That that would be a big hope for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this week that verse where Jacob said surely the Lord was in this place and I knew it not when he had that vision of angels ascending and descending I think whatever comes it's the church realizes that God is with us in this place and 
I'm, I'm really hoping, I mean, just the thought of worshipping together is going to be so emotional to hear people singing together. Yeah. I so miss that. And I think God's, God's moving, as you hear later in the, in the nation. I, I really am believing that we'll see lots and lots of people really helped and, and, and saved and, and wonderfully won. Amen. Amen. Well, come in Hope Church. Um, I want you, I just want to encourage you to open up your hearts for all that guys going to share with us now. And let's really be in faith that, that God will speak, continue to speak to us, not just in this church plant that we're doing in the Middle East with Paul and Joe, but with all that he would have us do as a, the people of God in Guildford and beyond. So, yeah, over, over to you, Guy. Thank you so much. I mean, it's such an exciting uh, morning for me, a privilege to be speaking. And I just want to say right at the outset, well done, church. Uh, the fact that you're gathering, the fact that you're worshipping, that you're smiling, that Marissa can lead us so well. Uh, Chris is doing so great, the elders. I am so grateful to God for you and want to encourage you to keep on plodding. It's the one thing I, I feel that will be put on my gravestone. Heather and Guy could plod. Uh, it doesn't matter what comes, we know God is in control and sometimes that's all we can do. So well done. I want to really encourage you this morning. My text for this morning is nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. And uh, it's that sort of encouragement I want to impart to you in, as you think about what the next year is going to hold and the years beyond that. As we've heard, you know, Paul and Joe um, I'm just so excited by the, the very sense of you sending this couple out. Um, I, I wonder if you could think of yourself as a church, not, I mean, in the West, we tend to measure seating capacities. Um, I'd want you to think of your sending capacity. And that's the measure, the true measure of success of a church, how many people we send out. And that's not just people who will go to far off countries, it's actually who we send out to be teachers and doctors and nurses and people who serve their community in, in a million different ways. And so I want to encourage you and I want to try and prepare you as a church for what lies ahead uh, in the mission, because I want to talk mostly about your mission where you are in Guildford and to equip you to do that. And I want to start by saying the church of Jesus Christ is not in a good place. Heather and I are just starting a series, and Chris actually is speaking on it, of restoration. Um, when I read statistics, like 46% of churches, FIEC churches, a year ago reported no salvation. Half, half the churches in the, in the country had not seen one person saved in that year. When I hear that the Baptist church is now in the country, the average size of a Baptist church in this country is 30. It's, it's shrinking every year. Um, when I think and I hear of a statistic, 40% of pastors in the UK have thought over lockdown of giving up. Um, you hear these statistics and you think that God is shaking the church. He, he, he's giving us a wake up call. He's saying it's time to awake uh, to his voice and to his purposes in, the, in which we're living. Mark Sayers puts it like this about the church in the West. Pseudo Christianity of lifestyle enhancement now needs to be replaced with spirit-filled faith for biblical Christianity. 
pseudo-Christianity, a, a Christianity which is really no different from the world around us. We, we, our, our values, our, our lifestyles, our, our conversations, our, what we watch are not any different from the world around us. And we've got something to pursue, which is eternal, something which is an amazing uh, opportunity in God in our lifetime. We've never, none of us have ever lived through something we're living through at the moment, but I believe this is a, an opportunity for the gospel like we've never had. And so I, I want you to try and listen cl closely to what the spirit says as I'm speaking over and, and listen to these scriptures. So I'm reading, you probably guessed talking about that text, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. I'm reading from um, 1 Samuel 14, where Jonathan attacks the Philistines. And uh, it's talking, the, the opening verses talk about where the Philistines are, they're on the high ground. And there's this pass and uh, in the middle of the pass is Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan is one of the very few, only Saul was the other guy with a sword. And they're, they're going down this pass and on top of these great big cliffs are the Philipp Philistine outposts. The Philistines have taken over the country. You can't buy or sell, you can't do anything without their approval. Uh, and so the, what was the promised uh, king, Saul, and all the promises that rested on him, that has all gone in the background and now they are impoverished, they are weakened. And Saul and his, uh, sorry, Jonathan, his armor bearer, are walking down this valley. And this is how the text goes in verse six of chapter 14. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let us go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Can I just say, just stop there. That is the cry of every one of us to the leaders of our churches. That should be the cry of all of us to our leaders. I'm with you, heart and soul. It's not what the leaders are going to do. The leaders are there to equip you and to uh, enable you to fulfill God's will and purpose for your life. But we need a heart that says to our leaders, go ahead, go ahead. Whatever God's put on your heart, I am with you, heart and soul. John said, OK, we'll cross over towards them. Let them see us. And if they say, wait here, we're going to come down to you. We'll stay where we are and not go up. If they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost looks of the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me, the Lord has given them into our hands. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and his armor bearer right behind him and the Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. So equipping you for this mission, I'm going to give you four important things that you need to embrace and to understand about God's mission and how we are successful, how we are excellent in achieving God's will for our lives. And the first one is this, to say we need to rejoice in suffering. 
In 1 Samuel 13, it talks about the terrible state of the, of the people of God. And it says in verse 22, on the day of battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. That's like saying on the day of battle in the UK, only one or two churches had a Bible in their hands. I mean, that, that, that's the terrible, terrible place of suffering the church or the people of God were in. They were having to go and they couldn't buy or sell without the Philistines say so. They couldn't cut their lawn. They couldn't sharpen their axe without the Philistines say so. They were enslaved and they were impoverished. And it was one of the lowest moments of that time. When we look at the UK today, um, and we hear these statistics, which we hear virtually every day about the number of people that are dying. What I have found quite amazing in this is the surprise of so many people that people are dying. Um, we are averaging, I think, about 60, 60 people every hour at the moment are dying in the UK from COVID or from having a COVID diagnosis. But before COVID, 10,000 people a week die in the UK from different things. People are dying all the time and people have never, never commented on it, never been worried about it. We've just been pursuing our own life. We've just been worried about what we're doing. In this hour that we're spending together, 72 women and children will be trafficked. 237 will die of AIDS. 869 mostly children will die of hunger in the world in this next hour. There is a global pandemic and it's woken us up to the state of the nations and the nation. And we need to be moved to think about the hope that these people need in the midst of suffering. Archbishop of Canterbury said recently to a group of leaders that the church is reaping what it's sown for the last 20 or 30 years. Whilst we've embraced secularism and forgotten the centrality of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, we're now reaping as a nation, a, a very godless nation. But in God's master plan, suffering is part of how God changes the situation. Suffering is not something as Christians we should be thinking, we should not be suffering. Our life should be health, wealth and prosperity. That's what I believe. No, suffering is an incredibly important ingredient in our lives. And some of you listening this morning will be suffering, going through difficulties, lost your job, maybe ill, maybe lost a loved one. God wants to come to you in your suffering. But he also wants us to lift our heads and understand that suffering is part of his master plan crisis is a gateway to renewal in moments of crisis and change people become more receptive to hear the gospel covid is our crisis it's our wake-up moment paul when he was in prison said what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel in philippians 1 12 because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
they looked at Paul's suffering and they said, actually, Paul's living in the midst of real, uh, you know, Paul's in prison. Paul's probably going to die. And the church is going, hey, this is our season. This is our time. Paul's doing it. We can do it. Mother Teresa said, in the light of heaven, the worst suffering on earth, a life full of the most atrocious tortures on earth, will seem to be no more serious than one night at an inconvenient hotel. That's the Christian's honest testimony. In the light of eternity, in the light of all that God is, is doing in us and through us and will do in that final moment as we pass into eternity, into his presence, these trials are light and momentary compared to the eternal glory and power that's going to be revealed in our lives. Francis Chan said this, when pastors, this is a word to the elders here, rejoice in suffering and make disciples in the midst of suffering, you end up with an unstoppable church. That's what I'm praying for this morning, an unstoppable church. Because your elders and leaders in the midst of suffering are saying, we're trusting God. God is working. God is bringing healing. He's bringing hope. He's bringing renewal. He's bringing restoration. In the midst of suffering, he's shaking this nation so that the mission of God goes forward in a new way. The second thing you see here is we need to embrace or persevere with patience. If we were to look at why they were in such a bad place, and I'll just read one verse from 30, verse 13, uh, chapter 13. Saul has been ordered to wait for the man of God, Samuel, to come and make the offering. And, and Samuel was late. And so he waited seven days to the time set by Samuel. And then in verse um, nine, he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. He, did, he thought he could hurry God along. He received judgment. He lost the kingship at this moment. He thought God was on his terms rather than he was on God's terms. He wasn't patient. He wasn't saying, well, okay, this is difficult. I'm going to get my head down. I'm going to trust God. I can see some of the men are leaving me. I can see the church is shrinking at the moment. I can see members of my church leaving the church. Uh, I, I need to do something. I need to do a God um, rabbit out of a hat moment. I need, to, I need to be the man of God in the moment rather than waiting for God. In 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That is the heart of God. God is patient. He would be righteous in judging our nation. He would be righteous that this COVID ran and ran, that we never got a vaccine. But he is patient, loving. Think of Noah. Think of the people that Noah over years, decades, would have preached to every day as he nailed and as he built that ark. It was an ark of salvation. We're building the church of Jesus Christ patiently. And we're building it big because we're believing God wants to save many, many people. God is not willing that any should patient. So perish. So please, if I'm speaking to anyone at the moment who's saying, oh, church is, oh, when are we going to get out of this lockdown? When are we going to get back to normal? When are we going to be patient? Be patient. Embrace, persevere through this. You know, James says in James chapter one, that 
on top of suffering. We need to add patience, perseverance, because that brings about maturity that God wants. God cannot be rushed. When you look at history, you realize that God sovereignly moves in these seasons. The <clears throat> tide, if you like, at the moment might seem at our lowest ebb, but that's a good place to be because it means the tide is turning, ready to come in and catches up all the boats. All the boats are caught up as God rushes in into, into these places of suffering and we are caught up into his, his purposes. The third aspect of mission is you need to take some risks. I don't know if you've ever read this story and thought, is this a clever military strategy that Jonathan's come up with, crawling up a mountainside with soldiers who are armed on the top who could roll boulders and spears and arrows down on them, has, has Jonathan stumbled upon a brilliant military strategy? No, this was a suicide mission. Okay, just you understand, <laughs> it was a one-way ticket to almost certain death, but it was an opportunity that Jonathan had given God to give him a sign that God wanted to see a victory. And I love the armor bearer. Go ahead with you. I mean, he didn't, he's the skilled tactician. He's the skilled warrior, the armor bearer. He's not just carrying the bags. This guy knows his battle. He knew this was an insane idea. He knew that the actual Philistines were never going to say, come on up here, because they knew that that would be, you know, it's just bravado, empty bravado. But for Jonathan, it was a moment, it was an opportunity. He was giving God an opportunity to move. He was taking a risk. He was willing to put his life on the line. If you look at the Bible stories, the life of the believer is always losing their life in order to find it. Isn't that what Jesus said? If you want to, you want to find your life, lose it. If you want to lose your life, Keep on doing the what things you are on the, on, the, on the broad way. Look at Abraham going, not knowing. It was, it was a one-way ticket to poverty. It was a one-way ticket to obscurity, leaving his hometown, leaving everything behind and trusting God. Risking everything for God is what not one or two are called to do. I mean, you might be looking at Paul and Joe, and I do as well, and say, praise God for this incredibly courageous couple. But I want to encourage you all. The fact that you're here this morning, the fact you're putting one foot in front of the other, this is courage. This is real bravery in the midst of COVID. You're not giving up meeting. You're not giving in to the enemy. You're not allowing the enemy to talk you out of your inheritance. You're leaning into God, and it takes courage. You have to take risks. And Hope Church, um, you need leaders and you've got leaders who aren't going to encourage you to play it safe. As you come out of lockdown, don't play safe. Don't think we want to go back to cozy church. want to go back to let's uh, just have two years just loving each other and having a holy huddle. Wouldn't it be nice? No, you are here and you have leaders to encourage you to take risks, to put your life on the line they're there to raise up an army of soldiers 
that will risk everything for Christ's reputation. They will share their faith, advance the kingdom, and take risks. Heather and I love to encourage people to take risks. We like to take risks ourselves. In this lockdown, we decided we were we were going to, with the encouragement of our neighbours opposite, to, to do open air services. We've done five open air services in the street. Uh, the most we've had is just about 50 people gathering. Had some wonderful, wonderful opportunities. At Christmas, we decided we're going to give all our neighbours up and down the street an, an evangelistic booklet, along with some chocolates and a candle, we were going to give them an evangelistic book. Now we were, this was going to, this caused offence. Funnily enough, it caused an offence to a Christian, not the non-Christians. But we were willing to take a risk because we want to give God an opportunity to see someone saved. And as I was praying for you as a church um, last night and just setting some time aside, thinking of you, I saw a field full of hot air balloons all deflated, just lying on their side, all different shapes, all different colours, some big, some small. And even as I'm speaking this morning, there's more hot air being pumped into those envelopes and they're starting to fill out. And they're not going to be fully filled out for the next two or three months. But God wants to encourage you that he's filling you out so that you will be balloons that will take to the sky and bring something of God's name, reputation and power to be seen in Guildford. Many of these balloons are just going to hover over Guildford. It's going to fill the sky over Guildford. People who are teachers, people who are in business, people who are uh, young people who are at university you're going to fill that sky and be over that sky. But other balloons will go over to the nations. Paul and Joe may be just one of many who will go to the ends of the, work, of the earth. I believe that God wants you to be, have a reputation. You're well known. He's high profiling your work amongst students. I believe there's people listening to this who want to work with the elderly or are working with the elderly. And God says, I want you to have greater faith. I want you to take further risks. And I believe there's some evangelists in the church that have been very quiet in this season. God said, I want you to find my spirit filling you and raising the name of Jesus over that city of yours and into the nations. The final thing that you need to do, we need to see for this mission and we see in this passage is you need to gain skills. So Jonathan climbed up. And in the first attack, Jonathan, his armor bearer, killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. That's a pretty impressive number when you think of what one sword and a couple of probably daggers and a shield, what they achieved in that fight. How do they achieve that incredible thing? What were, what were they doing prior to this story? I'll tell you what they were doing. They were practicing. The armor bearer was helping Jonathan become a swordsman. He was helping Jonathan know how to use different weapons in different ways, how to use a shield, how to advance, how to take on one person, how to take on many people, how to look from behind as well as in front. He was equipping and skillfully equipping Jonathan to be the swordsman and the, and, and, and the archer that he became. When we think of the church, when we think of apostolic ministry, Ephesians 4, God, Christ, the risen Christ gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. These are gifts to you, the church, to equip you to become a great swordsman, a great 
archer, a great man or woman of faith that sees the devil destroyed and the works of the devil destroyed and the kingdom of God advanced. Did you know, I, I, I read from uh, Michael Ramsden recently, who said this, that most 40-year-old Christians, most 50-year-old Christians, most 60-year-old Christians have got no deeper Bible knowledge than they did when they were 18 years old. In fact, there's good evidence to suggest there's an 8% slippage. In other words, we can subtly fall into the trap. When we think of the mission of God, we can subtly think that the mission of God is all done on a Sunday morning and it's all down to a few professionals. When the truth of the matter is God wants to raise his church as an army. And those army are not just people who listen to a sermon. They're listening to a message this morning. They're saying, I'm going to put this into practice. I preached at a church once and I said to the person, do you even know your next door neighbor? Let alone shared the gospel with them. Do you even know them? Do they Have you got a reputation of doing good to your neighbor, buying them flowers, baking them cakes, uh, loving them, lending them your tools, what have you? And one person in this church service, this is a few years ago, went that day to their next door neighbor and put an invitation for them to come around for a cream tea the following week. They came around for a cream tea. They shared their faith with this person. And one of these pe people died the following week, but they died having heard the gospel. And I had a letter from this person saying, thank you so much for just encouraging me to talk to my neighbor. I really believe that they got saved. I really believe that conversation was God owned. You see, we need to be skilled. You look at your Chris on the screen. You look at the men and women in this church. They're there to equip you. We want to be better. I want to be better at sharing the gospel. I want to be better at preaching the Bible. I want to be better at everything. We've got courses running, four different training courses in commission. Not because that's the thing you do if you lead a movement. It's because we want to make every one of you as skilled as you can be in what God has gifted you to be. And that isn't just preaching or teaching or evangelism. That's in loving and caring and, and, and nurturing and raising children. 80% 80, 80 of people who get saved in the world are under 18 years old. So if you've got a heart for kids, that's an incredible evangelistic initiative you, we want to get behind and equip you to do. So as I finish, I want to tell you nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Not by many or by few. I'm calling today to you as a church to engage in a mission, to engage in kingdom vocational living, to, gain, to engage in cultural engagement, to believe for biblical justice, to believe God for your life to be filled like those balloons with his Holy Spirit so that you are not trusting in man, but you're trusting in God alone, that you're formed and discipled by the way of Jesus and that you're shaped by God's word and his heavenly wisdom. I'm praying for you as a church to engage in this mission, knowing every one of you is a missionary, full-timer, ready to be released. And if you've ever wondered about skill plus risk plus suffering plus patience, I heard that first from Andy Crouch. He said, if you want a life of excellence, excellence does not equal success. Excellence, according to the Bible, is skill, plus risk, plus suffering, plus patience. And so I commend this for you to pray into and consider. And I'm just going to pray for you and then hand back to Chris. Lord Jesus, I love this church. I love this leadership. I pray for Paul and Joe that you would 
provide in every way for them. And I pray, Lord, that this church would, this morning, every member listening to this would feel the inflation of the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit, mm-hmm. filling them and encouraging them and filling them with hope. Lord, these, aren't, these days will come to an end of COVID. But Lord, beyond COVID isn't just that life back to normal. There is a world that has been shaken, a nation that's been shaken to its core, that needs a church, that needs the gospel. And so I pray you would fill every heart this morning, young and old, with faith for the future, and that we would see this mission advancing amazingly in our lifetime. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Back to you, Chris. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Guy. Um, so Common Church, have we heard that? Skill plus risk plus suffering plus patience. That's what God's calling us to. And, you know, we've been talking, haven't we, um, recently over, the, you know, uh, especially our vision evening about the culture that the church is calling us to, to, to build, you know, what God is calling us to build in our church over this next year. And we talked, didn't we, of those key things, that sowing and reaping culture and how we, you know, this agricultural analogy that Jesus uses all the time is what God is calling us to. And, you know, as we sow, we, we, we sow, you know, it depletes what we have, you know, as we go to sow seeds, our, our seeds go down. It it does, it takes energy. It takes effort. It takes skill. it, It takes, it takes all that we have. It takes our finances, but, but as we sow, in those moments, as we go to our neighbours, as we, we speak to our friends, as we read our Bible and, and you know, know God's word, it, it does take time, but we don't look at the energy that's being depleted or, or the resource that's being depleted or the time that's being depleted. We look on in faith for the for the harvest, don't we? The harvest that is to come in the future. And, you know, it's so encouraging to hear that message from Guy as he just reminds us again that there's going to be times where we go through much suffering like we are as a nation at the moment. There'll be times where we need patience, where we're willing God to come on, bring the harvest now, bring the harvest now, but we just need to, we need to be patient and, and know, trust that God is not slow. We need to remember that it takes risk. You know, there might be times where we go and we sow that seed and it, and it does land on hard soil, but but we sow anyway, just like farmers. They, you know, they might have drought and they might have storms, but the following year they don't hold back. They go again in faith for what is to come. And, uh, and certainly we all need to do that with skill. And so, you know, taking, let's, let's keep hold of that word. Let's listen to this message again. Let's remind ourselves all that, that God has been speaking to us over these these weeks and months because we do have faith don't we? we we are trusting in god that he will produce in us and in guildford and in the nations a wonderful harvest you know we know that the the, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few and as hope church we want to be those faith-filled courageous bold workers who go out into the fields and and share god's grace and his love with all those we meet and you know and and it's this isn't all about Paul and Joe, is it? We've heard that. This is about all of us. But in these moments, we do want to highlight what is what we're doing at, at planting a church in the Middle East. And um, 
And so just before we go to worship, I just want to remind you of those key ways in which you can join us in planting this church in the Middle East. And uh, first is through prayer. And uh, the first Sunday of every month, you can join us in prayer. and We'll, we'll be together. We spend 45 minutes uh, with Paul and Joe and we'll continue to do that even whilst they're abroad praying together, praying for, for God's grace and his sufficiency for them and for the work that they're doing. And, and we'd love you to, to be a part of that. Uh, and you can find all the, the Zoom details for that if, uh, if you contact us and it'll be in our Facebook group and things like that. And, and then also through our, our pledges, prayer and pledges. And I'm really pleased to let you know that, you know, we've already raised, we're, we're over 70% now of, of the monthly uh, income that, that we need to, to do this. And um, Paul and Joe, as they sow their lives and their, their selves into uh, the Middle East, we want to sow our, our finances into that too. And, and you can be involved in that and you can, we'd love you to, to commit, you know, five pounds a month or 10 pounds a month, 20 pound a month, whether, whatever it is that you can give um, you can email churchplantgiving at gmail.com and you can let them know what you will be uh, willing to to pledge as a monthly cost and yeah we're not far away but lots of us given a little will really make a a massive massive difference and so I want to encourage you with that and it might be that you can't commit to monthly giving but you might want to give a one-off uh, gift and you can do that as well again same same information but this whole morning, it's not just about finances. It's, it's not just about um, telling others. It's about hearing God's heart. It's about getting to the heart of what it is to be the people of God. And that is a people of hope, isn't it? We carry great hope in, in our hearts. We have that. And, you know, just like anyone finding treasure would be selfish not to share that with those around them. We have a, a wonderful treasure, don't we, in the word of God and in all that he's called us to and we just we want to share we want to be, be the people that share that good news and so i think it's just right for us you know thanks guy and heather for for, for praying we'll, we'll have a moment to ask them questions in, in a second but before we do let's focus our hearts again on our king and savior on our lord jesus let's, let's worship uh, him again before we come back for that q &A. thanks for listening we're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchgilford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.